Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coming at you live, it's Sunday Story. We're tired of police violence in a country where the Constitution promises equal protection under the law. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. That is why we should act. It's time to end racial profiling. Time to criminalize the chokehold. Time to demilitarize the police. Time to end qualified immunity. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. We're back. We're back with another episode of Sunday Stories, where we cover ongoing headlines and meet interesting fucking guests. This time with a democracy agent. Don't you get the James Bond feeling? He's an entrepreneur with the communication as a compass and the democracy as a driving force. Today he runs Democrat Team and is the famous lecturer and expert advisor. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce this week's co-host, Barakat. Oh, man, you're making me blush, man. Yo, this is, that you know, quite an introduction. I Every time I introduce a guest, I imagine, you know, have you seen UFC shows, like fighting shows? Like yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right? that, that kind of the vibe you had. Exactly. You know? I need and to learn from you for my own <laughs> podcast. This is, this is fire. Wow. You, you do. You have a podcast. Yeah, too? I have two, actually. Yeah. Fellow podcaster. Yeah. yeah, yeah wow. Yeah. I'm pretty new at it, though. Right. So, so, so how come you started podcasting? I, I did one podcast, uh, I think, two years ago together with Startup Stockholm. Right. Because I was helping them uh, in a joint venture to be more inclusive. So we started this podcast called Startup Mondays. Huh. So we want everybody to just start the Mondays with, uh, you know, just inspiration and energy. Yeah. And we were in, in the phase of opening up a, a new office in, in Shista. Wow. To reach new audiences that had you know, historically been marginalized. So we did that like five episodes and it just really felt That's cool. interesting and fun because I know a lot of great people with great ideas yeah. and great... Uh, um, uh, history of doing some some amazing stuff. Right. So I just figured, you know, let's just use that network and you know make sure that just creating like this bank of inspiration. So right. and then now I started my own podcast called Nuanserat in in Swedish. It's called Nuanced. So it's kind of a wordplay on on skin color, of course. Yeah. But it's also like the the idea and the vision is to um, to kind of um, talk to people that have deep knowledge about racism and discrimination and all this type of. Um, you know things that are creating problems in our society, and mm. and just to, um, to to speak about that with with people that are 
deeply competent. Yeah. And then the other one is called, can we prata om vitiet? Can we sp- speak about whiteness? Right. So straight that to one, the point. Yeah, just straight it. to the point. Just just feel like that conversation yeah. needs to be had. And I know that we're going to talk a little bit about that Absolutely. today. So. Absolutely. But yeah, you, you almost got me impressed by myself. So <laughs> listening to the introduction, so thank you. It's, it's That's so a great way to start a conversation. No, it, it, it is. And, and But the thing is, I get impressed by the guests. And, and as, as I said to all our listeners, the guests that we have, the real stars in the podcast, you know. Yeah. And the point with the podcast is not only talk about the, the ongoing headlines that we have it because a lot of shit is happening today yeah. but cover some of the stories so you can relate to that right yeah. I, I, as I told you uh, we have a, a segment in this podcast yeah. true or false yeah. um, and uh, we have had some, um, some some hits with some of the guests <laughs> almost completely right so let's see if you can hit <laughs> yeah. the top you want to start 10. with that yeah, you, yeah. I, I'm going to start with that to warm you up. Sure. Uh, because what's coming next is going to be pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, you know, be okay. Hot stuff, yeah, All right. Sure. Let's just start the show. The first statement of the true or false. Some 16 billion emails are sent daily. True or false? That's that's true, man. Got to be true. That's actually false. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it too much? It's 160 billion. It's even more, right? Yeah, yeah that was what I was figuring. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, well. How know. much emails do you send per day? I'm, I, I'm actually anti-emails, but uh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, it's a couple, of course. I mean, right. I do, but I, it, it really takes a lot of energy for me. So The <laughs> second one coming up. The capital of Libya is Benghazi. The capital of Libya. No, it's not. It's false. You're correct. Yeah, You're false. completely yeah, correct. Yeah. Do you know the capital? I should know it, but right. it's standing still <laughs> in my head right now. Tri- uh, I, I Tripoli. Tripoli, yeah, it's right. Tripoli, yeah, That's yeah. how you say it, right? It's actually a super cool uh, name for, for a city. Well, comes the third one. An octopus has five hearts. I feel like I want to say false, but I, it feels like it can be true. It is actually false. <laughs> it's false. Well, it has been. It has been. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I think I read it somewhere <laughs> that, you know, it's just too good to be. To, it's too outrageous to be, like, yeah. totally false. I figured there has to be some truth in this. So. I mean, we were speaking with Alexander about animals as well. And, yeah. and the animals, I mean, they have some crazy shit. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it, I, I wish we could teach that in school. Yeah. Seeing as it, that shit is interesting. Well, 100%. You know, yeah. Right. My favorite animal is giraffe. Wow. It's a very fascinating animal. Why is that? They're tall, they're beautiful, you know, they're oh. really strong, but they're, they're peaceful. They are really yeah, peaceful. Yeah, they're peaceful, and yeah. they just, I saw one of them when I was in Kenya, like, on, on like, very, like, close per proximity, wow. and it was just, something happened with them, and I started reading about them and stuff, it was just, they're very fascinating, because I think the go-to, the go-to animal is the lion, yeah, exactly. You know, that's Everybody. like it used to be a symbol for Ethiopia <laughs> for a long time. Right. You know, you have the Lion of Judah, you have, you know, the whole Rastafari movement. Yeah. And, you know, you have the whole, you know, especially like from a male perspective, like this alpha thing, you know. Exactly. But, uh, but uh, yeah, Giraffe, there's something magical about you. The Statue of Liberty was a gift from France. I think that's false that's because true. I never heard that. That's, true. that's true. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it, this American thing that should symbolize freedom is actually from France. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Warsaw is the capital of Bulgaria. No, that's uh, actually the capital of Poland. I've been you're there a couple so, of times. You're, yeah. so, you're so good. When it comes to capitals, yeah. I'm pretty okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Great. Last one. Flying in an airplane is statistically safer than driving a car. That could be an urban myth, mm-hmm. but I've heard that a lot of times. I read about it, so I'm gonna go with the true, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's false. 
it is true actually. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's true. And yes, you do I get heard, a point yeah, because I, you still I heard that it. a lot of times. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> you never know sometimes if something that's is like true. factual or just yeah. an urban legend. How are you doing? How how is life? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm a bit exhausted. Yeah. Because of everything that is happening, mm. uh, of course, you know, just being a black person in mm. a world that, you know, that has a lot of racism, yeah. uh, and also work with these issues, and I've been doing that for, you know, depending on how you count, but almost twenty years. Like as, as an activist, you know, my first consulting gig was in two thousand nine. So, you know, it's more than 10 years. Yeah. And before that, you know, I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, within, within the NGOs and, you know, I was doing it as a non-paid activist and, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been part of my life. So, you know, it, it's it's mixed feelings, yeah. but, you know, yeah. I'm feeling good. I also feel empowered. I'm, I'm very um, energized by the movement, you know, and I always get very... I get really hyped up by this uh, this this slogan that they use in the Black Lives Matter. Mm. They they say this is a this is not a moment. This is a movement. Yeah. And you know, for me, who's been doing this for so long, right. and usually this time of year, people check out here. You know, it's mm. you go into vacation mode, and you know, it's not like this. The questions about racism and discrimination has been prioritized in Sweden. Yeah. Let's be honest about that. That is true. But now, you know, something is happening, and I think that's quite fascinating. But there's always like again, I told you before, like I'm a recovering workaholic, so I always have to have like an inner di- dialogue with myself. You know, I have to tell myself to to rest, and you know, I always feel like I do too little. Mm. I'm struggling with those emotions. But isn't that a great entrepreneur? Yeah, it is, but it's also like it could be bad for your health. But 100%, yeah, I mean, I put my whole soul in this. Like, So for me, I'm happy you mentioned entrepreneurship because I'm also an entrepreneur. I always say if there were no racism in the world, I would have been, quote, unquote, a regular entrepreneur. (laughs) You know, I would just run a business and do uh, business stuff, which I think is Mm. deeply fascinating and really, really, really fun. And I'm I'm a political scientist and a journalist. Uh, That's why I have my diploma degree in. But I've always been interested in making stuff, right. like realizing your visions. Right. So, you know, for me, it's always been like, you know, a tightrope, you know, w- yeah. walking a tightrope. But uh, but that's a great point. Yeah, it, it, it's part of the entrepreneurial personality, I think. Exactly. But it's also like a lot of entrepreneurs I know. And, uh, you know, usually you tend to know people that are like you. And I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs. And you know, we always have conversation about, you know, it's yeah, you're successful, but are you happy? You know, I mean, are you tired, yeah. you know, or if you if you're tired, you know, you won't be able to. This is a this is a yeah. marathon. It's not a sprint. Exactly. So I always have to remind myself and I see that there are so many issues that needs to be addressed yeah. and I'm only one person. So it's it, it's mixed emotions. But Absolutely. I'm, but I'm Absolutely. you know, my plan is to to go on vacation for at least two weeks wow. from from next in, week. In on. Sweden, right? Yeah, I told right. that to, to a friend of mine the other day. I said, I'll go on vacation for at least two weeks. And she was like, two weeks, that's nothing. <laughs> I was like, two weeks, that's an eternity. Uh, yeah, it is. For me, two weeks wow. is, you know, that's wow. I, I, I can't be out of work more than two weeks. I'll get panicked. Wow. It's always a balance. Yeah. But, you know, for me, you know, it, it's been like personal costs. Yeah. You know, like it's been, it ruined like relationships. And, you know, the last four months I've been in a relationship that it really suffered. Right. And, you know, we kind of, you know, decided to go separate ways. And, you know, mm. the, me working too much is, you know, a big part of it. And it's I just see. I just always have to have like, you know, yeah. have like deep, meaningful conversation with yourself. Like. What's my purpose? Yeah. You know, what what am I doing this? You know, what's what, what's my why? Yeah. And you know, so I always come back to the idea that I'm doing this for my unborn children. Yeah. But then again, in my life, you know, I'm not always working towards actually getting children. Mm. 
So you know, it's it's kind of a lot of paradox. So I, you know, I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I I do feel like it's it's important, especially if you work. I do want to make a distinction between like working with, uh, you know, selling socks or mm-hmm. having a, you know building apps. That's difficult in itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, I also work with deeply controversial, political, difficult, high complexity issues yeah. that I have a personal investment in. Exactly. You know, this is something that is uh, you know, I'm, my body is you know uh, uh, um, uh, targeted by this brutality or this discrimination. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be more difficult. And Absolutely. you know, we always have to speak more about self care, especially with people that are within activism or people of color or black people that are actively engaged. Even people that aren't activists in the pure sense, you know, as a black person just living in a black body, you know, you you you're going to be. Invested, right. you you have no choice but to think, talk about, and uh, working against racism or for a more equal society. Right. So you know you always have to have a conversation about you know self care, taking care of yourself, and also being nice to yourself. You know, for me that that's difficult. I'm a perfectionist, again a recovering perfectionist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I also have to have a conversation with myself about like this is enough. You're doing enough. Right. You know this is okay. This is good enough. Yeah. And so I, I struggle with that, but uh, but having said that, you know, sometimes if you just take a um, a standpoint from outside your body, you'll see that you're actually doing a lot of stuff. Right. So you know that helps. Well, you reading the introduction that helped. Right. You know, that good. reminded me. That's you know, good. I'm yeah, doing well, some I, some I, good stuff. You know, I can so. do more introductions. <laughs> yeah, else. yeah. Let's make that happen. I, I, can, I could call you up at yeah. nine in the morning, yeah. eight in the morning, and be like, "But I got this time." Yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that. That helps, you know. And I have a lot of great people around me that keep telling me that you know I'm doing good things, and you know, you just need that kind of feedback. You know, I'm a right. human being. And Absolutely, but, but do you reward yourself? You reward yourself with yeah. like saying like, okay, you know, I'm gonna do this like this two weeks vacation. Yeah, yeah. But how long does it take for you to get a reward by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm historically very bad at it, but I'm actually getting uh, much better. I'm very okay. interested in psychology, and I read that a lot, and I read listen to a lot of pods, and I know that you know rewarding yourself and having like uh, uh, you know standing still sometimes yeah. and just you know reckoning and r- realizing that you're doing good things and that you need to rest. Yeah, I do that. Like yesterday, you know, I just decided to take the the rest of the day off after six o'clock i had a lecture for mm. for this company and then we just had a good meal at uh, this place called a bowl restaurant now you know it's just a shout out it's not commercial i'm, yeah, not, I'm not paid no, by the but ahead. it's yeah, a great place so it's right next to where i live and we went there just had a meal and just spoke mm. about other things so yeah, wow. I, I, yeah that it was a small reward yeah. but but yeah i think that's a good thing i think a lot of people should do more of that for me personally you know i always try to engage in conversation i think it's important for people to feel brave and you know i don't want people to feel anxious about speaking addressing race for instance yeah. but also understanding that we live in a complex world you know sometimes you will say something that is outside your uh, set of experiences so it's you know it's always better to be a listener right so you know i've learned myself you know being a boy you know getting those signals mm-hmm. being a talkative person uh, being the youngest in my family a lot of signals has been put forward to me from you know from my family and from the overall surrounding that you know take place talk mm-hmm. and so i've always been a talker mm-hmm. but you know the older i get you know i've learned i relearned my brain to be a better listener and that's how you actually learn things so it's always a balance. I'm very wary of not giving like a this answer yeah. because you know life is reality is complicated. Absolutely, it really is complicated, Absolutely. especially nowadays with the polarization or the perceived polarization, and you have social media that amplifies uh, voices, and you have algorithms that reward uh, you know uh, emotional input mm-hmm. over facts. You have these things 
that makes it seem like everything is much simpler than it is. Right. But for me, that I've actually been doing the work for 50 years, that I work with clients, with organizations, with NGOs, with the state act, uh, agencies, is it's much more complex than you would imagine. Right. So, so you know, so I think it's important when you get the platforms to, to talk about the, the nuances. That's why I call my, my podcast, you know, Nianserat or right. Nuanced. Yeah. Because um, I feel like we are in, in, in a situation in which uh, it's easy to take a polarizing standpoint. I mean, that's the easy job. Yeah. But the, the difficult one is to actually understanding complex issues and dig deep. Yeah. That's why I started by talking about deep knowledge. Mm. And I do feel like in the future we're going to need more of people that have deep knowledge about their specific uh, areas yeah. of interest but and competence. The, the deep knowledge is getting harder to get seeing as we have so many news channels as you were also yeah. saying. Yeah. And it's easy to, to read some news or, or even worse, if your friends send you some news from a site, you have a tendency of, of actually believing the news yeah. because it's a friend, right? Um, and it's getting worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse seeing as we don't know who to trust, yeah. who bought who, yeah. who says what. Yeah. And, and how do you control the input from you know, social media. Yeah. How do you filter that? Well, I think uh, one thing is uh, privilege. You know, I've been privileged enough to go to university. I, I actually learned tools to be critical against the source. Right. So, you know, I have that with me. And I know a lot of people don't have, uh, you know, those social circumstances that allow that you go to university. So I think that's one thing. I just have to be very um, aware of the fact that I, I don't want to come across as, as an, uh, I don't want to have like an elitist uh, standpoint. Right. Uh, but I mean, uh, I do get a lot of my uh, information from, uh, from uh, Twitter, but mm. I always complement it with books. I read a lot of books. Mm. I follow the, the, the new research on, on my area of interest, and I listen to a lot of pods, like legit pods, like mm. the Daily, Code mm. Switch. Right. Uh, I listen to the Harvard Business Review podcast, which I think is very interesting. So I have like a, a broad spectrum. I yeah. listen to um, a, a podcast called Happiness Lab, which is, which is about how you, how you become happy, and it's a, a doctor from Yale that, right. that that runs it. So I I I I, I want to get a mix. You know, yeah. you get research, and then you get you know activists, and then you get like people that produce exactly. uh, their own information. But you, you always have to be critical to the source. I mean, I ca- I can see you doing it, seeing as you were in this industry. Yeah. But I I don't know how we're gonna solve that issue, seeing as we have. 13 to 18 year olds on TikTok, on Twitter. It's quite a problem. It's quite a problem. Yeah, I was listening to this um, podcast, The Daily. It was like two days ago, I think. They were talking about how Facebook and Twitter uh, and and other social media giants, they actually in in many ways hurt the Black Lives Matter movement because, you know, they, they, uh, they allow... As a platform, they they're amplifying voices that are right. you know, conservative or racist or that reproduce uh, racial stereotypes, mm. and at the same time they they're having um, they're standing up for Black Lives Matter. So it's it just it's just complex, you know. The, these social media giants have a lot of power, yeah. but a little responsibility. So this is going to be a real. It, it already is a problem for lawmakers and mm. politics. So you know this all already um, it's it's not. 
debated a lot in Sweden for yeah. some reason, but it's a, it's a hot debate in, in the US. Right. Yeah. Definitely. There's this movement, they call it in Sweden normalizing yeah. or normalizing in Swedish. So there is that movement, you know, and I, I'm not sure that that's a scientific term, mm-hmm. but I, I can definitely see the movements, you know, some segment of the population feel more empowered and more emboldened to, to say what they actually mean and be open about it. And, you know, I don't know how to feel about that from an inv- individual perspective. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really bother me, but I'm not going to allow racism on my wall, Yeah, you know, because right. because uh, I don't want that to be normalized. And yeah. I do want these people to know that there is a consequence to any action. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just very double. Like for every win you see, you also see the losses. Right. So you like, you know, depends it's W's it. and it's L's all the time. Right. So yeah, it depends on you see, but I just, you just have to understand that, you know, we in a very difficult terrain that yeah. we operate in. So, you know, I'm sort of used to it right. and there's a danger of getting used to it because sometimes you will meet unacceptable things with the, with the shrug. Mm. And I catch myself sometimes just feeling, ah, who cares? But mm. I do care. And I think all of us need to take a standpoint. You know, we are in a time that, you know, it could really go uh, anywhere. We have a um, straight up racist party that is, you know, sniffing on 20, 22 percent. And, yeah. and, you know, that this is we're talking about parliamentary influence here. Yeah. So it's not a small thing. And, you know, I also seen like Swedish anti-racism on a whole, you know, I'm generalizing here, is, you know, when the Swedish Democrats got into the uh, parliament, mm-hmm. the idea was we're still 95%. Yeah. And now it's like we're still 80% and then we're still 40% and then we're 0%. Yeah. That's just the wrong way to approach the issue, you know. And today we have the discussion regarding the Black Lives Matter when they say white, vi- white silence is violence. Mm. Or, you know, that we speak about if you don't speak up, you know, that yeah. means that you are uh, silently accepting what is going on. And there is some elements, some big elements of truth to that. So I can testify to that, right? And I just feel like there is this mantra after the Me Too movement that I as a man, as a straight man, learn. And it is believe women. You know, instinctively before when I was younger, uh, if women spoke about rape or sexual harassment or any other type of sexism, instinctively sometimes I could be, I wouldn't believe it automatically because I was trained to question. Because I think on a deeper sense, as a man, you will feel targeted. So you feel the urge to say, is that really what happened? But, you know, by doing that, you're actually aiding sexism. And, you know, so I, I say like you have to believe people of color. You have to believe black people. When we speak about racism, you know, the first instinct shouldn't be, is that really true? Is that really what happened? Don't gaslight us. You know, believe. Just have that as, a, as a, the first instinct. Retrain your brain. You can do that. Rewi- rewire it. So, so for me, it's just I didn't feel believed for so many years. So many years I was talking about, not only me, and I'm using myself as a metaphor for a lot of people. It's certainly not just me. There are people on the shoulders to which I stand, but we were not believed. And to to a large extent, we're still not believed. But the Black Lives Matter movement has has done something with that. We we are more believed today, you know, and it's horrible that that this is what it it has to take, these tragic events. I know. But we are more believed today and we just have to keep that energy. So for me, for people who are non-black or who are white, they just, you know, my urge Mm. uh, uh, and my challenge is to believe. Believe people of color and to men is 
believe women. Wow, you you <clears throat> you give me the Martin Luther King vibe. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I a good compliment. Dream, but but I, now we can switch that out. To yeah, I well, believe, yeah, I appreciate right? that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's just uh, you know that's just also being like if we just strip racism and sexism out of the equation. It's still about being a, a decent human being. Yeah. If somebody comes to you and they tell you, "I feel hurt. Mm. This happened to me." Your first instinct shouldn't be, "Is that really what happened?" Mm. I'm not saying uh, uh, don't be critical. I mean, we started this conversation yeah. by talking about the value of being critical to the source. Yeah. But you know, there is a history here of not believing uh, minorities or not being believing marginalized communities or not believing women or people of color. And we need to change that. The, that mindset needs to change because there is a history in Sweden of denial there mm. is a there is a culture of not accepting or admitting that we have problems of racism here too mm. there is this idea that Sweden is unique you know it's a national romantic self image it's not reality saying that does not take away from Sweden the fact that Sweden in some elements in some aspects have been vocal about anti-racism in South Africa or in, in, in the American South. Mm. It has. Mm. So both these uh, uh, narratives are true at the same time. But while Sweden were criticizing the American South, at the same time, or uh, a couple of years before, a couple of decades before, we had the Race Biological Institute, which was the first state-financed state racial bio biological institute in the world. Mm. And we had Carl von Linnea, which is you know recognized and famous for you know, making some huge progress, being a pioneer in, in systematizing uh, plants and, uh, and, right. and animals. And he did. That's also true. He was a pioneer in that. But he was also a pioneer in racial biological. He was the first person to hier hierarchize and speak about homo sapiens in which homo europaeus was on the top and homo affer, which was the so-called stereotypical. Long was this, ago? this was in um, seventeen, eighteen. I'm mixing okay. up. Yeah, right, but it was, right. it was it, yeah. it was early, early on. Yeah. So, so you know, you have those things. We also had uh, a, a guy called Anders Retius, which introduced uh, uh, skull measures. And you know, mm. so today, you know, you have some some people arguing that stop importing uh, the you know the racial narrative from U.S. But actually, historically, Sweden been exporting <laughs> racial uh, narratives, you know, or yeah. or uh, racial science, pseudoscience, of yeah. course. But, you know, this science had an effect. So if you go back to the hierarchy, the racial hierarchy that uh, Carl von Linnea, together with other scientists around the Europe, created, we still have the same hierarchy in the Swedish labor market today. Mm. So it's not a fluke. You know, there is a, uh, there is a historical continuity here. So we just have to admit that. If we don't admit that, it doesn't mean that the problem will uh, disappear. Yeah. So we have that tendency of trying to put it under the rug, but it's still going to be there. So this is what happening. There is cycles in Sweden. Like we have a debate about racism, and then it kind of disappears. There is a lot of denial from powerful people, and then it comes back to haunt you. Yeah. So you know it's better for all of us to just admit it and start working against. It. You cannot um, cr um, solve a problem if you don't admit it. If you don't if you don't uh, uh, accept that it yeah, exists. Right. That's always going to be the first step. And I understand that it's a painful process. You know, It's never going to be no. easy to, to reconcile with your history or, or understanding that your history is present today. And I understand that. You know, I, I really do understand. I understand if, if you never spoke about this in school, And then 25 years later, you know, especially this black guy <laughs> exactly. comes telling you, you know, 
this shit is racist. Right. So I understand how that could, you know, be a, a cognitive dissonance yeah. because you will learn one thing and then you will hear something that is the complete opposite. I yeah. understand that that's difficult to process, but we need to do that. But that goes for everything. You have to That goes for everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you can generalize I mean, you, this. You, you, yeah. You're trying out new technology. 100%, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have to try it out. Yeah, yeah. See I mean, yeah. Works, yeah, right? you can you can generalize it. Yeah, yeah like it's definitely human behavior. Yeah. That's why I'm also interested in understanding uh, on a deeper level, you yeah. know, to understand uh, the processes we have, you know, you need input from sociologists, you need input from social anthropologists, you need input from ethnologists, you need input from political scientists, you need input from, you know, a variety of sectors yeah. and voices. So for yeah. me, you know, I wake up every day and I just begin by understanding how much that I don't know. Hmm. And that, that actually makes me more empowered because that gives me impetus to learn more. But even if I stand here and I, and, and I am an expert in this field, there is still so much I need to, to learn. There is still so many connections to do to yeah. understand the complexity of the right. issue. It's not easy. It's no, complex. It's, it is complex. Racism in, in, in many aspects is, is an unconscious process. We can just, we just create a room upon our own taste or upon... Uh, if you're in a fashion industry, for instance, you know, I've had workshops with you know, big fashion companies and we do workshops in which we try to understand your client. Who's your client? And then you just dig deep and then you will see that, okay, the, the client, there is subtle ideas of who you're creating clothes for. Yeah. And most of the times, you know, th those ideas derive from your own body. So you create clothes from your own taste, from your own perspective, from your own body, from your own race, gender, what have you. So it's very like unconscious processes. Definitely. So all of a sudden, you know, you create products for people that looks like you. Yeah. Silicon Valley is a great example. You know, when mm. they did, I think it was Google, they created this algorithm and it, it coded black women as gorillas. Yeah, I've seen that. You one. know, the facial recognition is another part that yeah. is hugely problematic because, you know, it doesn't recognize black faces in the same extent that it does white faces yeah. because it's coded and programmed by white male predominantly. So it's a lot of times it is, quote unquote, innocent processes. You, you're not aware of the fact that you are doing this, mm. but the product or, or the outcome w w can become racist or discriminatory. Mm. So that's how I approach racism. It's not about you always willingly or willfully knowing that you are doing something racist yeah. or that you are a racist, quote unquote. It's that you, the effects of your behavior can and a lot of times are racist. So, you know, it's also a way for me to de-dramatize it yeah. because a lot of times if you call somebody racist, which I'm, I'm not a fan of that, people will become very indignated and they will, become, they will feel like you're attacking their character yeah. or their integrity, which in some sense is uh, understandable because we live in a culture in which sometimes it feels like it's worse to call somebody racist than actually being subjected to racism. Right. You know, that's a paradoxical situation. So I always tell people that remember in your privilege that it's, uh, you might feel that it's difficult to speak about race or racism as a white person. For me as a straight man, I do feel it's uncomfortable and difficult to speak about issues that does not regard my body, yeah. to speak about sexism against women or to speak about homophobia against people mm. that are not heterosexual. Exactly. But I just remind myself that that's a privilege in itself. So for me, it's difficult to talk about it. But for the people that are subjugated to it, you know, they're actually... Uh, they're, they're targeted for for this, so you just you just have to yeah. see the proportions wow. there. You speak about this uh, theoretical anxiety, yeah, and what to say and what not to say. Yeah, do you have some kind of examples of this anxiety that people have today? Yeah, well, yeah. Yesterday I was doing this uh, workshop for a 
big big um, uh, corporation and um, for their for the executive board and you know they i just told them like let's have what i call safe conversations right so you know whatever happens in this room will stay here i want you guys to be open with your emotions yeah. so when we speak about race for instance how did that make you feel hmm. you know well it makes me feel uncomfortable and then we just start from there why because of it gives me um, associations or connotations to Nazi Germany yeah. or Second World War. I don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable, right? So I understand that emotion, but effectively when you act upon it, then you create an atmosphere in which you don't speak about necessary uh, situations. So you can uh, there is a risk that you activate what Robin DiAngelo, which is a sociology professor, she calls it white fragility. So there is like this fragile sense around complex and explosive issues. So you don't want to talk about race or your whiteness or your privileges because yeah. it's too difficult. But what you're doing is you're hindering a necessary conversation. Right. So a lot of times, you know, I try to help people understand the value of coming over that discomfort. So you know, it's just you, you just need to understand that you know your contribution or your or, or your participation is required. We need more white people to be actively engaged uh, to abolish racism. And that starts with understanding and admitting your own privileges. Yeah. For me, it's very helpful when I speak about being racially profiled by, by the police. It's happened to me numerous times. Uh, and there is data and, uh, and um, people that can um, testify for this, plenty of that. Yeah. But it's still a lot of things we're not believed. No, is that really what's happening? They're just doing the job. Yeah, and the police in exactly. itself, they don't want to uh, accept and admit that not. they have this problem. Of course not. But what helps is when white people, and I, I feel I see more of that, comes out and say, this never happens to me. That helps because in, it, in the contrast, we will see racism. That's when we'll see how people are treated differently yeah. because of the, their skin color, their perceived race. True. So we need more people that are privileged to speak upon not only just declaring that they are against racism. Anybody can say that, but talk about the privileges. Tell us about how your life looks like. That's why we did this pod. So, you know, a big shout out to Lovisa, who is mm. my partner in, in crime. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she's very open with her privilege. She speaks yeah. about uh, how, how, you know, we live in the same city, in the same world, but we have radically different experiences. So, you know, that's, it's in that space you will see racism or discrimination in itself. Hmm. That's why I understand the value of me as a man, as a straight man talking about my experiences. Hmm. Because I know that my experiences differ. So when I go in, uh, in a taxi or an Uber, I will never be afraid of sitting in the backseat of an Uber. Hmm. I'm never afraid of going, going home in the evenings. Exactly. Because you know, I'm not afraid of being harassed or you know, being subjugated to sexualized violence. Yeah. And that's a privilege. You know? it it, is. It, it, I have to talk about this in order to confirm what's happening to, 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 to women. And, you know, that's a big, big help, a much bigger help than people think. Also, we know from research that uh, people, this is called homosocial reproduction, it's called. Mm -hmm. So white people tend to listen to white people in a larger extent, and men tend to listen to men in a larger extent. So, you know, if we, you, you need to talk to your, quote-unquote, your people, Audience, because, yeah. you know, they will listen more to Definitely. you than they will listen to me. Definitely. In U.S., there is this great mantra that I hear. It's not about standing up only it's about standing with hmm. you know so i just feel that's a forceful a very powerful quote to use you know Definitely. you just have to stand with me not only standing a, uh, up against something you have to stand with me right and standing with somebody requires you know that you're listening that you're believing and that you're understanding and em empathic hmm. wow 
I'm learning so much. It's, I appreciate uh, that. No, it's, it's it's really amazing. And uh, you know, for for people, for for young professionals that yeah. we have around the world, how do you help? You know, how do you stand with someone? Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, not only on social media, yeah. but how do you take that outside, offline? How do yeah. you do it offline? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think uh, first and foremost, I think this this uh, this um, uh, demarcations from what is professional and and private uh, or political we it's much fuzzier now we see that like racism is an issue for corporations as well mm. you know it's it's also there is a business case uh, around you know abolishing or uh, diminishing racist practices so you need to understand that this isn't an issue of only for activists or for politics it's also an issue for your uh, for your labor force yeah. you know the, the, uh, i mean your workplace is a microcosm of of the society if you f- think otherwise you know you're wrong you know you you you're not immune to discrimination racism that is around society sure. you know that's also part you, corporations or the business sector needs to be more engaged in the civic discourse yeah. need to be more engaged and and i see th- this is actually happening and it's accelerated now but it's been happening for quite a while you know consumers are demanding that uh, you, you take a stand against um, that must know, be the, the driving force of it right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Money so, goes, yeah that's what it flows yeah 100 percent. Right? i mean it's, it's already yeah. happening so to be fair it's already happening a lot of corporations already listening to their consumers or they're actually listening to people that are potentially going it's also about recruiting talent yeah. you know talent don't want to work in a sexist place. True. We don't want to work in a place where there is racism or or where you do like shady business. Yeah. So there is that thing. So you have to adapt. And uh, you know, I think the modern corporations are and they will adapt more. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, just be part of the conversation. You know, just don't assume that this is not a problem for me because that that is actually the the biggest sign that you have privilege is that you will feel that the problem is not a problem because it's not a problem for you. Yeah. Just because I'm not targeted. It doesn't mean that my fellow human beings aren't targeted. On the contrary, they are. So we need to understand that it's a structural society problem. And I think that's kind of that's kind of sinking in now, more or more, because you you keep saying that also in the BLM movement that you know racism is not a problem for black people. It's not for black people to solve this. You need to be part of this. You are privileged. You are in position, and you have power, and use it to something good you know I always go back to Michel Foucault which is a theoretician that I that I listen to and he always said that power is not positive or negative power is productive Hmm. so that means you can do whatever you like with power power isn't necessarily connected to evil I think we have that idea that power is bad so in Sweden for instance we don't really use power we say influence influence you know it's kind of an euphemism but for me I want to address power you know if if I get power I have an amount of power with my platforms with my voice with my knowledge with my energy I have power you know I influence people I know that so for me you know it's a challenge to use my power for good and you know to be a listening force like I don't want to come and tell you what you should do I need to engage and and be in dialogue with other people so just take that with you having power is not a bad thing it's really about how you use it that's true wow wise words yeah yeah, thank you I appreciate it (laughs) it's it it has been it has been a pleasure pleasure to have you here likewise man man keep doing like I said to every other guest and there's a reason why we picked the guests because we like what you guys are doing appreciate it and uh 
let's see where this move and take us. But yeah. you know, I, I just I really, really, really hope that it's yeah. not just a short period of time. Oh. We're, we're getting somewhere. I mean, we're getting you know, somewhere. Some slowly, 100%. slowly, but but yeah. you know, I agree hopefully you. it will be all good by the end of our time. Yeah. So well, our children could live in peace. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, yeah. Let's let's hope for that. Well, thank you for having me, man. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you, and thank you guys for listening. You, we have had the man <laughs> on the show. Uh, Baraka, thank you so much. Thank again. you. Thank and you for having me. I'll see you in the future. Yes, 100%. Great. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.